0: Good evening everyone, good to see you out tonight, thank you for coming back. This evening I uh, believe it was announced that uh, Hershey uh, died uh, just a little while ago. The family is doing well, we're rejoicing in Hershey being in God's presence, but obviously it's a difficult time for the family and somewhat unexpected in terms of how quickly my brother died, uh, obviously don't know anything about funeral arrangements yet, but uh, there's some talk of maybe Thursday or Friday, but uh, we'll know more uh, in uh, the days that lie well, ahead. Excuse me, I'm out of breath. I was <laughs> For me, I was running, <laughs> so... Tonight we are looking at uh, Psalm 19, and I chose to look at this psalm because this morning we were talking about the surpassing value of the scriptures. And tonight I chose Psalm 19 because much of what we talked about this morning is contained in this psalm. I always appreciate how intertwined the scriptures are, how they uh, really Uh, dovetail in their teaching it's one of the demonstrations that indeed the Word of God is inspired how the writers of both Old and New Testament uh, teach the same doctrine teach the same truth and so tonight we're going to see many of the same points that we saw this morning as this psalm is an ode to the scriptures So uh, we begin by looking at uh, the idea that the importance of Scripture as a source of revelation. Definition of revelation. Revelation is the disclosure of that which is previously unknown. Definition of general revelation. Revelation can be divided into two groups. That is general revelation. General revelation is that revelation of God which comes to all people. General revelation comes in two ways. It is the revelation of God which comes through nature. And then secondly, and the revelation of God which comes through the human conscience. So there are two ways in general that mankind can learn and know about God. One is from looking at creation. There are certain things that creation reveals. And the second is by one's conscience, Uh, our conscience. Everyone has a conscience. And uh, that conscience convicts us of things that are wrong, and it uh, affirms in us the things that are good. The problem is that that conscience can easily get out of kilter. That conscience can easily begin convicting us th- of things that it shouldn't, and bringing comfort in areas that, again, it should not. So the scriptures are far surpassing in their value of general revelation and Uh, of both kinds, creation and conscience. Now in Psalm 19, it begins by talking about general revelation. It never gets to talking about the conscience, but it it talks about the revelation that comes through creation. So theme, today we are only going to consider the revelation of God that comes from nature and the surpassing revelation of God that comes through his word. The value of general revelation that is found in in creation the creation reveals the magnificence of God, Psalm 19:1 and two. To the choir master of Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God. So by looking at creation, one can see the magnificence of creation. It should see that, that God is to be praised, that God is to be glorified. By looking at creation, you should be able to see that there is a God that is powerful. To think that God could make all of that which exists that uh, we are able to enjoy. We ought to see that God is wise. Uh, To think that uh, it took a lot of planning. The idea that this just happened, that it was just an accident, uh, that it was just a matter of uh, luck or blind fate, is a pretty big leap. Uh, we ought to be able to see that that there is wisdom behind the way in which this world is made, and certainly the way we are made. So it reveals the magnificence of God. Creation reveals the Creator, for the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims. Now, the important word here is His. His handiwork. It demonstrates the fact that someone had to make all that we see and experience. The idea that, um, you know, even if the elements and even if all the things existed that exist today, and that doesn't explain where they come from, but even assuming that everything existed, all the parts, all the DNA, all the things that are necessary for this creation to exist, even if it previously existed, which it did not, but uh, if, It did, it doesn't explain how it all came together in a working fashion. Uh, You can uh, imagine, theologians use the illustration of a watchmaker. Uh, To look at a watch, uh, you can see that it had to have a maker. Uh, You can have all the parts, you know, if you go back to the old style of a spring and hands and, and a stem and all of these things, just, you know, how many times would you have to throw that up in the air till it would come down and all the parts would be together? You know the face is on the, the hands are there, the stem is in the how many times do you have to throw that up in the air before it would come down and be all assembled? then how many times would you 'd have to throw it in the air till that would begin ticking It would be wound okay and the idea is well that 's absurd, of course uh, it couldn 't just happen by accident or randomness, and that is what we 're to see from creation as well that uh, obviously, this required a creator. Thirdly, the creation is is a continual source of revelation about God. 19.2, day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. Uh, so that this is an ongoing source of revelation. So that generations past could look and see that there was a creator. We today can look into the Skies and see that there is a creator, and the generations that follow us can look into the stars and realize that there is a creator. So this general revelation is ongoing. D, the revelatory work of creation extends to all peoples at all times. The revelatory work extends to all peoples and languages. Psalm 19, verse 3, "...there is no speech, nor are there words." whose voice is not heard. So general revelation transcends the limitations of speech. You don't have to know Spanish, you don't have to know Greek, you don't have to know Hebrew, you don't have to know English, you don't have to know any particular language in order to discern that there's a creator. It transcends speech. The revelatory work of creation extends to all places. Their voice goes throughout the earth. And they're words to the end of the world. So while there are places where there is no witness of Scripture, while there are places on the face of this earth where the Word of God has still not penetrated, while there are places where the Word of God has not been translated into the language, the native language of those people, while there are those limits upon special revelation, those limits are not true of general revelation. Revelation. For any place on the face of this earth you can see the creative handiwork of God. You can see the heavens, you can see the stars, you see the moon, you see the sun, uh, you can see our own bodies. Therefore, three, the revelatory work of creation sheds lights light on all people. Their voice goes throughout the earth, and their words to the end of the world, in them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Uh, Talking about how everyone can experience this uh, knowledge that comes through creation. Therefore, the revelatory work of creation renders man without excuse. Psalm 19, verse 6. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Romans one18 to 18-20 sheds light on this when it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what He has made, so that they are without excuse." The idea here is that man is without excuse for worshiping and serving God as creator. Every human being on the face of this earth ought to recognize that there is a God to whom they owe some kind of allegiance. That there is a God that is over them. That there is a God who is over creation. That knowledge should be exist. Conclusion. While general revelation is very important for it reveals the reality of God's existence and power, it does not reveal the the message of salvation. So we can ask the question, how is it possible for general revelation to reveal enough truth that it makes man guilty before God? The answer is that everyone on the face of this earth ought to know that there is a God. And uh, one of the demonstrations of that truth is that there is virtually no culture that doesn't worship a god. Whether that be a god of stone, whether that be the sun, whether that be the moon, uh, whether that be Greek mythology. People worship something. They worship a god. Not the true and living god but they worship a God. And what holds mankind accountable is that whatever their view of that God is, whatever form they've established for religion, whatever way in which they demonstrate that worship, whether it be offering sacrifices, whether it be doing certain things, whatever the way in which they have constructed worship should be expressed towards this God, And whatever their conscience is telling them to do, the reality is that none of the people on the face of this earth serve that God in the way in which they think they should. So that all people know that not only that there's a God, but they know that they are unfaithful to that God. Whatever their limited understanding is, and no matter how strange it is of their concoction of God, they, they know that this God is not served the way that he ought to be served. Uh, and it is that condemnation that comes upon all men, even if they don't know about the living and true God. Number two, the surpassing value of special revelation that is found in God's Word. Definition of special revelation... Special revelation is that revelation of God that comes through the special means of the scriptures. So an overview of the surpassing value and benefits of special revelation. The value of God's special revelation is given to us in Psalm 19, 7, 8, and 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testament of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are True and righteous altogether. The benefits of God's special revelation they revive the soul, they make wise the simple, they rejoice the heart, they enlighten the eyes, and they endure forever. So now we're going to look at each of these things individually. So, B, an in depth consideration of the correlation between the surpassing value and benefits of special revelation. Note that each of the thoughts come in the form of a couplet. The benefit of God's word flows out of the value of God's word. Even as we saw that this morning. We saw that the value of God's word is that it is in fact God's word. It comes from him. It's without error. And then we looked at the benefits of that. That is, it is supremely valuable. Valuable over all things. So, number one. The word of God surpasses the value of of general revelation because it is complete. The law of the Lord is perfect. Perfect there is simply the idea not of sinless. We're talking about creation here. We're not talking about sinlessness. We're talking about completeness. Perfect means whole. The law of the Lord is whole. It lacks nothing. Just as we saw this morning in uh, 2 Timothy. That the the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The idea is complete. Revelation is not complete when you look at general revelation. It doesn't tell us everything we need to know. The scriptures tell us everything we need to know. Number two, the word of God surpasses the benefit of special revelation because it is able to bring the message of salvation. The word is perfect, reviving the soul. Uh, King James, converting the soul. Romans 10:14 How shall they call upon whom they have not heard and how shall they believe in whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God so mankind cannot discern the gospel by looking at creation there's no way to look at the stars and the moon and all of these things and understand that God sent his son to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven that Cannot be in any way deduced, either from our conscience or from looking at creation. That message has to be proclaimed. Three, the word of God surpasses the value of general revelation because it is trustworthy. It's found in Psalm 19, verse 7, when it says, is sure. Second Peter says, We also have a more sure word of prophecy. Now what is interesting there, if you look at 2 Peter, and we're not going to take the time to do it tonight, but it's in a passage where uh, Peter is talking about the transfiguration. The experience that he had on the mount when God appeared uh, in the form of a cloud. Jesus was transformed. He was bright in his glory. And Moses and Elijah were there. And God spoke to To them from the cloud and said this is my beloved son hear him so Peter says we did not devise uh, we did not follow cunningly devised myths when we told you these things Uh, he had heard God speak but he goes on to say we have a more sure word of prophecy what is of greater value than that experience is we have the word of God he said that that word of God was more valuable than the experience that he had on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then we're told why. Verse 19 and 20. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Where until you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn, and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. That is huge, and that's another place where we get this doctrine of an inerrancy from. Because it is teaching us that the Scriptures are not a product of man's reason. Um, you can have an experience. In fact, two people can experience the same thing. Uh, It's interesting sometimes for people to talk about a conversation and what they come away with after that conversation. The things they think somebody said and the things they heard and what the other person thinks was said and what it was heard. Or you hear a news report and uh, there is a report on a particular rally or a particular event. And depending what news channel uh, you listen to, you wonder if the reporter was at the same event. They come away with two totally contrasting ideas of what took place, of what was said, of what was meant. So experience can fail us. And there are a lot of people that claim this near-death experience, you know, and they they, they almost died, or they did die, they say, and they saw a great light, and they have all of these stories. Well, the Word of God surpasses any human experience. It surpasses anybody's story. And the reason that it surpasses it is because it's not based on that person's own take of what took place. It isn't a report of how they understood it, how they experienced it, uh, what they learned from this particular instance. The scripture doesn't come by one's own understanding, but rather it comes from God himself. Therefore, it is sure, reliable, trustworthy, without error. Four, the word of God surpasses the benefit of general revelation because it gives wisdom to the uninitiated who are easily led astray. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony is sure, making wise the simple. So you note how people were led astray through the suppression of general revelation. Romans 1, 21 and 22. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So (coughs) mankind (coughs) uh, (coughs) rejected what was known about God and turned to worshipping idols uh, and (coughs) worshipping God who was made not in, not man made in God's image, but now God made in man's image. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Placing upon God uh, the limitations that, and, and the uh, failures that go with, with mankind. Uh, we see the very same thing today. People professing themselves to be wise, They change the scriptures. Uh, They deny certain things. Uh, Some people deny miracles. Well, certainly Jesus could not have done these things. No man can do that. Uh, Well, they deny the deity of Christ. Now, that's impossible. But for a creator who created man from the dust of the earth, that certainly is not impossible. But man in their wisdom rejects the knowledge of God. But the word of God can make... The simple person wise can change those attitudes, those actions. This morning we talked about the self evidencing aspect of the Word of God, how the Word of God can reach into the heart of an individual who, when at one time professed atheism, at one time professed agnosticism, that you cannot know the truth about God, comes to a place where they place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the power of the Scriptures. The word of God surpasses the value of general revelation because it's immensely profitable. We saw that very word this morning in our text. It is useful. It is profitable. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right. The word translated right here means to be fitting or appropriate. Thus comes the idea of profitable or useful. Six. The word of God surpasses the benefit of general revelation because it brings satisfaction to the inner being. The precepts of the Lord are right. Now this, rejoicing the heart. And NIV, giving joy to the heart. A beautiful sunset can bring a sense of awe, wonder, and beauty to the heart. I know many of you love to hunt. I know you like to be out in the out of doors. Uh, You enjoy watching uh, creation. And uh, you can just get a sense sometimes of awe, of of majesty. And and you sit and you look at that and you say, wow, that's a beautiful thing. Every other year, many of you know, we go to Martha's Martha's Vineyard Island for a um, family reunion. Uh, Bonnie's uh, (coughs) father grew up on Martha's Vineyard, so we go back there for a family reunion this summer. I think there's gonna be like 80 of us up there. And one of the things that we do is on Wednesday nights, it's become a tradition, we go down to a little fishing village, it's called Menimcha, and it's right on the coast, and it's a beautiful sandy beach, and we watch the sun go down. And it's not just something we do, but it's what a lot of the tourists do. And the beach is full of people just sitting there, and watching the sun go down, and it's a beautiful sight. As you see the sun just descend over the over the ocean, and uh, you know the the, the, the the beautiful colors and everything. And then one of the things that cracks me up is after the sun goes down, they all sit there and clap. You know, it, uh, well, that was great. You know, and, and I'm wondering who are they clapping for. <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> well, it's a glorious thing if you recognize that God made that. Bravo, God. That really is gorgeous. That that really is beautiful. Well, there are moments that we look at creation and say, wow, that's a really marvelous thing. That's incredible that God would make such a thing. Or we look at our own bodies. Wow, God must be wise. God must be powerful. But that pales the connection with looking at the Scripture. And Opening up, wow, God must be loving to send his own son. It's incredible to think that God would love me while I'm yet in my sins. To think that God would desire to use me to proclaim his message throughout the earth. It is a matter of rejoicing as we understand the truth of God's word. So it brings satisfaction. B, the word of God brings a sense of confidence, contentment. Resolution, hope and joy to the heart. So the scriptures can satisfy our heart's needs. And one of the greatest needs that we possess is how do you deal with guilt? How do you deal with the, and let's call them mistakes, that we have made? Even even if mankind doesn't understand the concept of sin. But but how do we deal with our failures, especially moral failures? How, do, how does a person deal with the aspect that they've been selfish and, and they think now about how they have reared their children and, and they have remorse and wish they had done things differently or in their marriage? How do you deal with guilt? Well, our answer in a, in a non-religious World today is basically learn not to be guilty. Learn that it's not your fault. Learn that these are not things you had control over. Realize that this was part of your upbringing. This was your environment. This wasn't you that did these things. You're not responsible. Don't feel guilty. Well, people can tell you all they want don't feel guilty, but people still feel guilty. People still feel depressed. People still feel unwanted. People still feel unloved. People still feel unfulfilled people are still looking for a purpose and a reason for existence. They get to the place where they say, this is a dead-end job. Why am, I, why am I doing this? There must be something more important than this. There must be something that my life could be spent on that would have greater value. Well, the Scripture answers those questions. The Scriptures answer the, the needs, the longing, and the plagues of our heart. Seven. The Word of God surpasses the value of general revelation because it contains no error. It is pure. The concept of pure is to be unmingled or uncontaminated. The truth of God's Word is not contaminated with error in any form. We don't have to try to ascertain what is really the Word of God and what isn't. Uh, That's one of the big uh, differences between liberal theology and conservative theology. Uh, You may have... uh, heard of uh, the gospel uh, the, the Jesus uh, conference uh, and one of the things about that was trying to ascertain the gospel, the things that Jesus really said and the things that Jesus really did as opposed to what the Bible says Jesus did and the things that the Bible says uh, that uh, Jesus said. Uh, we don't have to spend our time trying to work out what is true and what isn't true. What did mankind make up what did God tell us? It's not mingled. It's not contaminated by man's limitations or man's errors. Eight, the word of God surpasses the benefit of general revelation because it enables one to have clear understanding of moral and ethical issues. The precepts of God are right, rejoicing in the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, as we look at creation, mankind... can get a lot of things wrong. And uh, one of the things that mankind even gets wrong is there's a lot of people that can't even see that there's a creator today. But the Bible says they are still accountable because if they were to be a little more objective, a little more honest, they would see the need for it. But unrighteousness causes us to say and do some pretty strange things. But the idea here is that it enlightens the eyes. It, it gives us the ability to see our Sin. To see us for who we really are. It's interesting in Romans chapter 1 it talks about creation and uh, what man should be able to see. For the visible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead are there without excuse. And then chapter 2 moves into this whole discussion of the conscience. And Chapter 2 begins with the idea, thou art inexcusable, O man, who finds fault with another and does the same thing. It's incredible how it's possible for us to look at someone else and see and find fault with what they are doing and fail to realize that we do the very same thing to have blinders on about our own conduct. We are easy to see when somebody else loses their temper, but we fail to see when we lose our temper. And sometimes it gets so out of whack that the Bible says that we try to remove the speck in somebody else's eye while there's a log in our own eye. Uh, This huge area of blindness of things that we don't see. Uh, We Failed to recognize where the Word of God sheds light so that we begin to see that we share those same problems, that we share those same sins. And we become less judgmental of others and more recognizing of our own sin. That comes through the Scriptures. And uh, many times our conscience fails in that particular realm. So the conclusion. General revelation is great value and benefit. Uh, general revelation is great value. General revelation reveals the reality of God. General revelation reveals the reality of a creator. And general revelation reveals these realities to all people. Um, so it is extremely Significant, And uh, for those of you in Sunday school, I mentioned that I'm going to do uh, the themes in the book of Genesis like I did the themes in the book of Exodus. And one of them, we're going to look at creation. But I'm not going to be dealing with the minutia of creation. I'm going to deal just with the, the bigger idea that there's a creator. And, you know, it's such an issue today as to whether or not there is a creator because of the implications of it. If there's a creator, he must be worshipped and served. And so, mankind rejects the idea of a creator. And I don't know about you, but have you ever kind of just scratched your head and said, how can people believe that? You have heard me say it time and time again, but but for me, it was one of those things where where the light went on. I, I remember as a student at at uh, Kutztown, then college, now university, and I was sitting in a biology class, and uh, we had to read a uh, book entitled *The Naked Ape*, and it was a, a you know about evolution and uh, where we came from and on all these things, and 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 I just sat there, you know, and. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work through things in my mind, and uh, I remember sitting at a book table. We uh, were, uh, we had an intervarsity, varsity and uh, we had a book table we'd set up in uh, the student union, and we would man it, and we would try to pass out literature that we thought would be helpful and answer questions. Well, I was sitting behind this table, and I remember... Someone saying to me, how in the world can you believe that God is eternal, that God is self-existing? Who made God? I remember them just looking at me and saying that as though that was the most profound question that was ever raised. Who made God? And I just looked at him and I said, well, I'll answer who made God when you answer for me who made matter because your science says that matter cannot be created nor destroyed. And I said, I can't explain how God is self-existing. Now you explain to me how matter is self-existing. And then I said, I can at least then explain everything else. But you still can't explain to me where life came from. You still can't explain to me, and I just went through a, a litany of things that can't be explained, okay? You don't have to bear your head in the sand. You don't have to be an imbecile to believe the scriptures. But we shouldn't be proud that we do believe the scriptures because God has opened our eyes to these things. Uh, two, general revelation is of great benefit. A, general revelation forms a common denominator for apologetics. It's a, a, it forms a basis for us to talk to Everyone, Uh, we can talk about the conscience, we can talk about uh, the creation. B, general revelation serves as a confirmation of special revelation, uh, so that the things that we learn about creation are consistent with what the Bible teaches. B, special revelation of surpassing value and benefit. Special revelation is surpassing value to general revelation because it is so much more detailed In it's revelation of God. Special revelation of surpassing benefit to general revelation because it reveals everything that is needed for life and godliness. And we looked at those verses this morning. So application from Psalm 19. Psalm 19 gives us its own application. First, application regarding the value of God's word. God's word is to be valued above all's. All else. Psalm 19.10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and dippings of the honeycomb. So as much as people desire wealth, the scriptures are more valuable than all the gold and silver of this world. You can't eat gold. You can't eat silver. It can't transform us as individuals, whereas the word of God can Verse 11, moreover by them is your servant warned, and keeping of them there is great reward. So the scriptures teach us of the source of misery and heartache in this world. The the scriptures reveal to us about sin. I'm going to be focusing on that next Sunday morning when we look at this portion of chapter four that tells us that we are to preach the word diligently in season and out of season. I mentioned this morning that uh, it precedes uh, the Second Timothy three starts with in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves covetous boasters etc cetera, etc. We live in perilous times. We live in dark days. Uh, we live where 17 people were shot killed in a high school and then many others that were injured. And we we just see the the heartache and the misery of life. We see oppression. We see racial issues. We see all kinds of tension. And our society is, is grasping for answers. What's going to cause this to stop? What is going to put an end to this kind of conduct? And people are fighting over what kind of laws to pass. You know, do we do it by gun control? Do we do it by education? Do we do it by this, by that? What is government going to do? How is government going to solve this answer? Government's not going to solve the answer. Government can't change a sinful heart into a loving, gracious, generous heart. You can't legislate that. You can't pass a law to achieve that. The answer to this sick world we live is that it is a sinful sickness. It is a sickness that comes from our moral decay. It comes from our hearts. The problem is in here. And the Word of God alone reveals that truth. But not only does it expose it, But the word of God answers the question of how can that evil, sinful heart become pure? Psalm 51. As David looks at his own life, he looks at his sin. He looks at what happened with Bathsheba and Uriah. And what does he pray? Create in me a clean heart, O God change my desires, change my ambitions, change my goals, change my attitudes, change who I am. The scriptures provide the motivation and the answer. So, C, application and response to God's word. Verses 12, 13, and 14. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That is the product of the word of God. And nothing can bring people to that place other than the word of God. Therefore, we need to take the word to people. And we need to share the word with people. And we need to rely upon the word to produce all of these benefits and effects. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and we rejoice in the day and age in which we live, particularly in the United States of America, to think of the abundance that we have of the word of God, uh, to think of the numerous Bible translations. How there are places where the word of God is not even yet penetrated on the face of this earth. How there are cultures that wish that they had the word of God in their mother tongue. And we have so many English translations of the Bible. We don't even have to learn a foreign language. We don't have to learn Greek or Hebrew. But Lord, you've given it to us in English. And you've given it to us in Bibles that have all different levels of uh, difficulty in uh, reading that we have Bibles that are written at fourth grade reading levels at seventh grade reading levels at 12th grade reading levels Lord we have so many gazillion books to help us understand the Bible uh, Lord we are without excuse for not giving ourselves to the scriptures thank you Lord for the way in which we have the scriptures. Thank you that we can not only carry a, the book around, but we can have it on our phones. We can, we, it is just endless the ways in which we can avail ourselves of the word. Thank you, Lord, and help us to learn to value it more and more. May we delight in your word, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.